Bibles to Daniel chapter 11, uh, verse 29. We're going to begin there, but I need to give a little bit of an introduction first. We're looking at the events of the end times, and our perspective is to avoid replacement theology, that is to keep Israel, both the people and the land, central to these prophecies, not to make them centralized here in America, and getting the gospel wrong. That idea of thinking that the gospel is going to change people, which is going to change nations, and which is going to bring about the ways of God in the earth. That is not how that's going to happen. The gospel is calling us out of the world, and for us to shine to that dark world, so that others will come out of the world, as we wait in anticipation of the return of Jesus, who will then make the world what it should be. Now, we have a um, chart that uh, we have been looking at, and I don't have a new one for you this week uh, because we're not uh, doing anything uh, that will require additional information. But there is something that I changed on it, on mine at least. So if you look at the chart, what you'll see is uh, that I have now encircled the abomination of desolation part there. Uh, so, uh, we're looking at the sequence and the timing of key events of the end time. We've seen the overlaps between the present creation and the new creation, and the restoration of the kingdom to Israel, and the new covenant with Israel and Judah. We've established that the last days lead up to the day uh, of the Lord, and that began at the first coming of Jesus. And I want to remind you, because this is going to be a real problem, the idea of a secret rapture, a disappearing act that will happen, is not found in the scriptures. The resurrection and the changing of the body from the corruptible to the incorruptible will be in the moment in the twinkling of the eye. But the catching up will be more like Jesus' own ascension that was visible and was seen. Uh, the gathering of the believing dead and those living at the second coming will be visible and the world will be concerned about that. We looked at the signs that Jesus said would come immediately after the great tribulation. The signs in the heaven of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And we briefly talked about the signs on the earth. We'll look at that in more detail later. Blood, fire, and columns of smoke, which is connected to the wrath of God being poured out on the earth. Remember, and this is really important too because it's not commonly understood. John in the book of Revelation has a parenthesis between his description of the sixth seal and the seventh seal and his description of the wrath of God, he saw 144,000 Jews who were sealed so that the wrath of their on earth, so that the wrath of God would not affect them. And he saw a great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before God, who he is told came out of the great tribulation by martyrdom. They're given white robes, and now they're being comforted. It's important to note that the wrath of God and the great tribulation overlap as well. God will be pouring out his wrath on mankind. 
they mankind can't fight God, so what they will do is they will fight God's people in the same way that the plagues of Egypt happened at the Passover. Now last week we looked at the 70th week of Daniel, from Daniel 9, this covenant that is being made, this seven-year covenant uh, that is going to be confirmed and then broken in the middle of the week. And then we looked at the things that Jesus and Paul said we should watch for as initiating that great tribulation and preceding the day of the Lord. Jesus called it the abomination of desolation. Paul called it the revelation of the man of sin or the man of lawlessness. Now since Jesus specifically in Matthew 24 says when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, then get out of Jerusalem. Since Jesus warned that, that would precede the, the great tribulation that would be worse than ever before. We really need to pay attention to that. So we're going to begin to look at that and what exactly is the setting up of the abomination of desolation. We're going to look at that today. So I want you to turn to Daniel 11, uh, beginning at verse 29, and we're going to, uh, uh, if you have your own charts, you can continue to look at them. Uh, but if not, we're going to look at these scriptures. Daniel chapter 11 Verses 29 and 45. Now if we had time, and we don't, I'd read the entire 11th chapter of Daniel. It's very important that you read chapters 9 and chapter 11, uh, actually chapter 10 as well. But you need to read those so that you have the broader context. Just like I keep telling you to read uh, Matthew 24, the entire chapter, uh, Mark 13, the entire chapter, Luke 21, the entire chapter, because we're going to be going back over these things again and again. But when we pick it up at verse 29, it says, At the appointed time, he, meaning this king, will return and come into the south. But this last time will not be, uh, will not turn out the way it did before. The previous verses had a somewhat different ending. Uh, it says, uh, For the ships of Kittim will come against him, he will be disheartened, and will return and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action, so that he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Remember, there's a falling away first, and then the man of sin is revealed. Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary, fortress, and do away with the regular sacrifice. And they will set up the abomination of desolation. By smooth words, he will turn to godlessness uh, those who act wickedly towards the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many. But they will fall by the sword and by flame and by captivity and plunder for many days. So even though God's people are there, there are a lot of them who are going to suffer and die. Now, when they fall, they will be granted a little help. And many will join them in their hypocrisy. So those who fall away will be joined by others who can't take the heat of the persecution and will join them in their hypocrisy. Some of those who have insight will fall, 
in order to be refined and purged and to make them pure until the end of time. So there will be some people who will wobble during this time because it is still to come at the appointed time. This king will do what he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished. For that which is decreed will be done. This is all predetermined by God. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women. Nor will he show regard for any other god. He will magnify himself above them all. Instead, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god whom his fathers did not know. He will honor him with gold, silver, costly stones, and treasures. He will take action against the strongest of fortresses and with the, with the help of a foreign god. He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him and will cause them to rule over the many and will parcel out land for a price. He'll take bribes. At the end, the king of the south will collide with him. The king of the north will stomp against him with chariots and horses and with many ships. And he will enter countries, overflow them, and pass through. He will also enter the beautiful land. That's Israel. And many countries will fall. But these will be rescued out of his hand, Edom and Moab and the foremost sons of Ammon. And he will stretch out his hands against other countries, and even Egypt will not escape. He will gain control over the hidden treasures of gold and silver, and over precious things of Egypt. The Libyans and the Ethiopians will follow at his heels. Rumors from the east, from the north will disturb him. He will go forth with great wrath to destroy and annihilate many. And he will pitch his tents and his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. Talking about Jerusalem, between the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea. Uh, yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. Now this chapter describes events that take place after Daniel has died and which have been identified by scholars as being fulfilled from the time of Alexander the Great to the time of the Maccabees. And it includes abominations and desolations, and that's why many people argue that the abomination of desolation took place at the time of the Maccabees. But in verse 27, he talks about an appointed time. And starting at verse 29, there's a description that is echoed also in the last days. This king will do as he pleases, exalt himself above every god, and speak against the god of gods, and enter the beautiful land. So all of this happened before Jesus came, and yet Jesus, as we saw in Matthew 24 and in Luke uh, and in, in uh, uh, Mark 13 says it's going to happen because he says when you see this in the future then get out of Jerusalem. So we have to look at these things that, that duplicate uh, and of course there are prophecies that have kind of temporal fulfillments and ultimate fulfillments and that's what's being talked about. And we see that because if we continue into Daniel chapter 12 we will see that. So I want you to look at Daniel chapter 12. Now at that time, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people 
will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time, and at that time your people, everyone found written in the book, will be re rescued. Now this is interesting. There is the great tribulation. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, and others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. But those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteous like the stars forever and ever. This is talking about the resurrection and the kingdom. As Jesus said, those who do the commandments and teach others will be great in the kingdom, and those who don't do them and teach others not to do them will be least in the kingdom. As for you, Daniel, conceal the words and seal up the book until the end. For many will go back and forth, and, in, and knowledge will increase. And Daniel said, I looked, and two other people were standing on the banks of the river, and one on the other bank. And one of the men dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, said, How long will the, uh, until the end of these wonders? And I heard the man dressed in linen, and uh, above the waters. He raised his right hand, and his left towards heaven, and swore by him who lives... That it would be time, times, and half a time. And as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. In other words, this terrible time of distress will be three and a half years. And it will be a time of God's people being damaged. And then he says, I, I said, my Lord... What will be the outcome? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for these words will be concealed and sealed up for the end times. Many will be purged and purified and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, so the righteous will become more righteous and the wicked will become more wicked, as the book of Revelation says. And those who understand uh, will be the ones who have insight. From the time of the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. But as for you, Daniel, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest. He will die and rise again for your allotted portion in the end of the age. Now in this chapter, we're brought to the end and told the tribulation is there and the resurrections. Daniel's told that this period will be time, times, and half a time. And he's told it'll be 1,290 days, approximately three and a half years. And during that time, those there will be many refined and purged through suffering, while the wicked will continue to get wicked. But those who have insight will understand. And from the time that the sacrifice is stopped and the abomination of desolation is set up to that end will be this 1,290 days. Then he says, the blessed ones who wait for God and survive or attain will make it to 1,335 days. There's a difference there of 45 days, a month and a half, which may be the timing of the establishment of the kingdom and the crowning of the Lord in that process. But I don't want to get lost in the weeds now. 
We're trying to get the basic order in sequence. And that is clear. The Great Tribulation begins with the abomination of desolation, where a king stops the regular sacrifice and sets up the abomination in the holy place. That brings us back to a text that we looked at last week, and I want to use that as we transition to the book of Revelation, and that is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, Paul says, We request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him. Now, we've already seen in 1 Thessalonians that Paul says, The gathering will be the dead in Christ shall rise first. We will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of the eye and then caught up to them. Uh, in the air with the Lord, and we will be with the Lord. And that idea is that the resurrection and the gathering is all one thing, and that's what Paul is talking about here. So he says, Don't be quickly shaken from your composure, or disturbed either by spirit or message, or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy fault comes first, a falling away from the faith, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God and object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember when I was still with you, I was telling you these things, and you know what restrains him now, so that he will be revealed at his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth, and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. His coming will be an appearance. That one, talking about the lawless one, the one whose coming is with accord to the activity of Satan with all power and signs and wonders, false wonders, so that uh, deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may all be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Now, the falling away and the revelation of the man of sin has to take place before we are gathered by the Lord, and the gathering of the, by the Lord, Jesus said, is after the tribulation. So we have the revelation of the man of sin, the great tribulation, and then we have the gathering. This man will oppose himself and exalt himself above every so-called God and take his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself to be God. Now clearly Paul is referring to that Daniel 11 passage where this guy does not regard any God, but he places himself as God. And Paul is placing this as occurring in the future. So Paul says there's some kind of restraining that prevents this iniquity from happening completely at its appointed time. And at that point, this person will be revealed. Again, this is all predetermined by God. 
We're told that he comes from Satan and he will do miracles so that the wicked will believe in him and his falsehood. But we are to stand firm and, and endure that suffering. So that leads us to our primary verse we're going to look at this week, which is Revelation ch- chapter 13. So if you'll turn to Revelation chapter 13, we're going to take a look at that. We'll go a little bit into chapter 14, but I don't have time to go into it completely. So I'm going to read this, then we'll talk about it. And the dragon, this is really predicated on chapter 12. You should read chapter 12. I just don't have time to do it now, but chapter 12 leads into this, where this dragon who is Satan, is going after the woman who gave birth to the one who's supposed to rule. In other words, the Messiah. So, this dragon stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like a bear, and his mouth like a lion. And the dragon, that Satan, gave him his power and his throne and his great authority. You remember what Jesus, when Jesus was tempted, what did Satan say? He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and he said, these are mine and I can give them to whoever I want. So if you'll worship me, I'll give them to you. And Jesus said, you will worship only the Lord your God. Okay, so Satan is in control. He's the God of this world. He's going to gather the nations in this context. So he says, I saw one of the heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth, speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months. That's three and a half years was given to him. He opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. It was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe, people, tongue, nation were given to him. This is his persecution of those who name the God of heaven rather than this God of uh, of the earth and, and of this world. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Verse 10 is really important. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone killed with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Just want to talk about this briefly uh, before I go into it in more detail. But notice here that he's going to make war with the saints. He's going to go against God's people. He's going to kill them. He's going to capture them. He's going to do a lot of them. And their job is to persevere in faith and in their testimony of God. We'll talk about that more. He says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. 
He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and all who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven to the earth in the presence of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it has given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had a wound with a sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause those who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free and servants, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he makes it so that no one will be able to buy or sell except those who have the mark, the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man. His number is 666. Now, this passage gives us the man of sin identified as a beast. He's given a power and authority from the dragon, which is Satan, who's the god of this world. This multi-headed beast, or this one who has an aggregate of kingdoms, has one head that appears to die, and then is healed or resurrected, so that the whole world is amazed. And they figure if he can't be killed and stay dead, nobody's going to be able to conquer him, not even death. So they worship him along with the dragon. He's given authority to blaspheme the God of heaven, and he will act for three and a half years to make war against the saints, the holy ones, from every nation, tongue, tribe, who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he's able to overcome them. In other words, he will, he will be able to uh, uh, conquer them. The rest of the world will worship him, but the saints will suffer. Some will be made captives, because that is God's plan for them. Some will defend themselves and be killed. They will die with the sword. This is the call for the saints to endure by faith. Because whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But life nor death nor any created thing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We have to know whom we have believed. And that he is able to keep that which we've committed against that day. Or we would not survive in this process. There is a second beast who looks like a lamb but speaks like the dragon. He's the false prophet, a religious leader, who makes the whole earth worship this resurrected beast, this Antichrist. He works miracles in the name of this beast and by the power of the dragon, and he will set up an image of the beast and make it come alive so that it can speak. This is no dead idol. Like the idols of men before, they finally have a God that can speak, and it can order men to be killed. And that is the abomination of desolation. It will be placed in the holy temple when he cuts off the regular sacrifice and does this. Those who refuse to worship this beast will be persecuted and martyred during the Great Tribulation. And there will be a mark 
put on the forehead and the right hand of those who worship the beast, and that number is 666. Now there are some texts that say 616, but most of the reliable texts say 666. We have here a basic vision of the abomination of desolation and the revealing of the man of sin. A covenant will be made with Israel to return to temple worship and sacrifice by some influential world ruler who will build this, give them this covenant. He appears to have died and then been resurrected. At some point during the seven-year reestablishment of this covenant, he will stop the sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem and have an image of himself placed in the holy place and the false prophet, the little beast, will bring it to life and establish that anyone who will not worship the beast and his image are to be killed. Well, of course... Uh, Jews who hold to the covenant of God and Christians who hold to the testimony of Jesus will not do that. Those who take the mark of the beast will be allowed to live their normal life of buying and selling. But those who will not are going to be persecuted. So Jesus says, when this happens, when you see this standing in the holy place, um, Luke, uh, Mark says, in a place where it shouldn't be, then those in Judea need to leave immediately and get out because then the great tribulation, which will be worse than ever, will happen. But it will be limited to three and a half years or maybe a little shorter. Paul says that this event precedes the gathering of the believers to Christ and the resurrection. So no getting out of it with a pre-tribulation rapture. The majority of believers will be imprisoned or killed. And those who deny Christ will be denied for Christ. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. But the 144,000 will be protected from the wrath of God. You'll see that in chapter 12 of Revelation. They're, they're going to be protected during that whole time because they have the seal of God on them. But the remnant uh, and those who endure because the, the dragon is going to go after her other children. Let me just read this uh, verse in chapter 12. Uh, when when the group is protected, verse 17 says, So the dragon was enraged with the woman, that's Israel, and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Right? That's us. So he says, uh, uh, This remnant who will endure, some will endure, most will be killed, will be with him and make it to the establishment of the kingdom. That's that 1,335 days. The establishment of the kingdom will happen when Jesus steps foot on the Mount of Olives, which is next to Mount Zion. So look at Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father, written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of loud thunder, a uh, voice and the sound of harps playing. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders that no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who had not been defiled with women. They have kept themselves chaste 
They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They have been purchased as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouth, and they are blameless. This, this group that is protected from the wrath of God. Now, I'm going to bring the uh, chart back up. So I can talk about this, kind of bring it all together. So, we have the sequences in the chart. We And I'm doing this different. You'd like it to go from the beginning to the end, but I'm going from the end to the beginning because the, that's, in some sense, the way Revelation does with this kind of vantage point where it goes to the end, backs up, comes from another angle, goes to the end, so that all the sevens line up. So I'm doing it in that way. The new creation at the far right of the chart began at the passion of the Lord, but it won't come into its fullness until this heaven and earth passes away. But this heaven and earth will remain until the kingdom is in its fullness and has ended, which we see in Revelation chapter 20. The kingdom will be established in its fullness when Jesus returns and raises the dead and gathers the living believers in the air and steps on the Mount of Olives and on Mount Zion. There will be signs in heaven before that and on the earth during the great tribulation and the wrath of God period that's about a three and a half year period. That will be initiated by the falling away of believers from the faith and the man of sin being revealed through the abomination of desolation in the middle of the seven year covenant with Israel. He will stop the sacrifice at the temple. He will defile the temple with the living image of the man of sin or the beast, just like uh, Antiochus Epiphanes did uh, in, in that uh, part of the fulfillment of it. He will stop the sacrifice at the temple, and he will be a king, and he will have a religious partner. He will be, they are both satanic, but they will appear as Satan does. He's going to come as a person of justice, a person of peace, a person of light and order. And during this time, people will worship that beast and take the mark on their forehead in order to live normally and at peace. We're already seeing people who will compromise anything to just have a little peace and what is perceived as justice. They will believe that he is good because of his resurrection and his ability to work miracles. And those who refuse are going to be considered troublemakers. And they're connected to this God in heaven who's pouring out his stupid wrath and messing up the earth, which otherwise would be perfect under this God. So this bad God in heaven is the God of the Jews and the Christians. So the Jews and the Christians become enemies of peace and of mankind. And they have to be killed or captured. But a remnant of Jews with the seal of God will be protected. And those Christians and Jews who remain alive by their uh, having insight and avoiding where the trouble is will remain and endure by faith, though most of them will be killed. 
Now we need to understand this beast, this Antichrist, as he is called, and we need to examine more fully this mark of the beast, and that's what we're going to do next time. But I'm done for now, and that will give us time to do some questions. So let me do a, a prayer, and then we'll take uh, the Q&A. Father, we thank you for your